Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. Today, my guest is Sean Burke, CEO of KiteDesk sort of a next-generation sales enablement tool, and Sean's also a contributor to publications like Forbes. And we're going to talk about prospecting and new business development, because whatever you want to call it, it's the sales issue of the day. It seems like new books and new blogs are published every day on the subject, and you'd have thought we'd have exhausted the topic by now. But buyers are changing rapidly in how they gather information about the products and services they are evaluating for purchase have changed. Where they gather that information has changed. You know, that buyer's journey is evolving. So prospecting the old-fashioned way won't necessarily cut it anymore. So how do you make the most effective use of your sales time to generate new prospects for your product or service? Well, Sean's going to help us with an answer to that today. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great, Andy. It's great to be here. So take a minute, introduce yourself. Uh, a little bit about Kite Desk, about yourself, where you came from, your journey in sales. Sure. Uh, so Kite started in 2011 uh, to, to aggregate a lot of different cloud applications. So it, it really wasn't intended to be a prospecting platform, which it is today. So kind of surprised there, right? You know, uh, a new technology company pivots. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. where we got our founder. I was going to say, that never happens. <laughs> that never happens, right? Yeah, so it was actually started by Jared Rodriguez and Jack Kennedy. Um, and what they saw in the market is that you know, as things move to the cloud, you literally have to have like 10 tabs open to do your work. LinkedIn, Gmail, Box, you know, all these different tabs. And they felt that there was an opportunity to kind of aggregate this information in one place. And so that's what I would call, you know, kind of if you're looking at a, uh, you know, our stack, we really built the first couple of years, the architecture to integrate into all these systems. Mm -hmm. And then we aligned it to the sales, the sales area, the tip of the spear, and then over the iterations of the, the product, um, we found over and over and over again, just like you mentioned, that everybody needs help prospecting. In fact, if you look at the stats, like CSO Insights, the AAISP, for years and years, like going back four or five, six years, the number one issue facing sales is prospecting. So we would have thought we would have figured this out by now, but we haven't. <laughs> well, no. And I, you know, I, I ask guests, I'm going to give you a, so you can think about this <laughs> later on, but I always ask guests, you know, what's the question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? And far and away, the number one answer is, you know, how do I find new prospects? Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's, you know, from a kite standpoint, that's really what we're focused in on. And it's a joy for me to work with salespeople because uh, you'd asked me, you know, how I got my start in sales. And I was in sales at 12. My, um, my mother would actually sell burglar alarms to families because our house was robbed, right? So yeah. imagine this, you know, you've got this family of people and our house was actually robbed while we were still in it. Oh, right? So yeah. that's, as scary. a mother, you can imagine, right, how scary that is. And this is before, you know, burglar alarms were all over the place. Like, you know, in my neighborhood, there's literally a sign on every, you know, every yeah. yard that says they have a burglar alarm. But it didn't happen like that. And so at the age of 12, my mother said to me, she's like, look, you know, I'm not college educated. Um, I may not be able to teach you a ton of things in life, but I want to be able to teach you how to make money. And so she'd take me out on these calls and just watching that, that dialogue between a husband and wife and a family and my mom and me, uh, I mean, it, I got hooked. And I really learned some of the early, you know, how to sell, how to connect with people, building rapport, all those kind of old school things that you learn at a very young age. And literally everybody in my family, all of my parents, you know, my brothers and sisters, they're all in sales. Huh. <laughs> so. So, so what was your first professional job in sales? Yeah, so it was right out of college, and um, I sold uh, logistics, or actually space on what they call LTL trucks, less than truckload um, shipments. So mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I lived in Chicago, and I did old school door-to-door. -door. Actually, it was, it was my car door to a loading dock. <laughs> <laughs> that was the sale. And so I would travel around these areas, not looking at the front of the office, looking at the back. And so who had a who had a loading dock? That's right. So anyone who had a loading dock and, you know, before really a CRM was used. So we I'd, I'd have, um, you know, call sheets and things like that. And uh, that's how I got started uh, with um, it was called Carolina Freight at the time, but then be, was bought by ABF Freight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, and that's what I did. And I, I loved it. In fact, one of my first stories of sales was, you know, I'm young. I don't. I don't know the difference between a national counter, a local counter, or anything like that. And sure as anything, in my prospecting, which is you know door to back door, I walk into pretty much the largest account in Chicago at the time for LTL freight, and I sold it. And I'll never forget what happened after that. Is a, a man much to my senior? He was probably in his forties or fifties at the time just berated me. How could you do this? You know, you're a brand new, new person. Right. One, this is one account rep. Right. This is a guy's another rep in your office, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so, um, the interesting thing about it kind of, kind of said it was like $24 million a year. I mean, it was massive and I got no commissions for it because of the way the comp was structured. So a kind of lesson one out of sales is make sure that you have a comp that <laughs> yeah, you're going to get paid for that account. That's exactly right. And subsequent to that, I've been, I'm always acting in sales, even as a CEO. I, I love commuting with salespeople, I, what I get to do. But I've always been in some type of revenue generation role, even, you know, and this is my ninth early stage venture. So I've always been close to customer acquisition throughout all those different companies. Hmm. So, just kite desk specifically. So, you know, as you've evolved it to be more of a sales engagement platform, I'll call it. How, you know, what was the impetus there? What I know you saw this multiple diverse sources, but you've got a very specific way that you go about it. 
you know, what did you see was sort of the big need that you're solving for sales reps? Yeah, initially, it's, um, <laughs> it's this concept of, you know, we have access to so much data right now, right, Andy? I mean, like, the amount of information you can consume is massive. And, you know, the, the promise of big data for a lot of companies never was fulfilled. And one of the things that we saw at Kite Desk and continue to see is that big data is not good for salespeople at all. It's absolutely horrible for salespeople. What companies need to be able to do is to take massive amounts of data, squish them down into the part that matters, mm -hmm. push them to the salesperson when they need it. So I actually, my argument is small data is great for sales, not big data, although you need to be able to capture big data. So that's what we've been doing okay. with, with Kite Desk is taking data from you know, sources like your email, from your calendar events, from third-party data sources that we integrate with, from social channels and things like that, and strategically put it in front of salespeople in a way that they can act upon. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, before this uh, interview, I could go look up on your website, find you, highlight your name, right-click on it, and pull up information on you in Kite Desk. You know, I could pull up mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, the emails we share right. with each other, all the communication, you know, your LinkedIn profile, all your social profile information who we know and how we know each other. So instead of me taking, you know, 10 minutes to prepare for a call, one click and you and I, you know, I'm prepared to, to have a conversation with you. So um, that, I mean, that's, that's where we're at now, but where we're kind of moving to now is there's really never been a prospecting platform that sits in between marketing automation, which helps people raise their hand, right? Mm -hmm, right. And, and then a CRM, which is all about, you know, pipeline management, opportunity management, and reporting. I mean, there's 50,000 people or 50,000 roles on Indeed.com right now that are prospecting roles. People, there's 50,000 jobs open in the U.S. right now for people that are just prospecting. And none of the tools are built to solve that prospecting problem. And so that's where we're putting all our time and energy into is building out just an unbelievably useful and pleasurable tool for prospecting. Because I think, you know, you and I could agree on this is, you know, nobody walks in the door in the morning thinking like, oh, oh, great, I get to make a phone call today, <laughs> you know, so. Um, or, or I get to go out and call on a bunch of loading docks. That's right. Exactly. I mean, I was like you. I mean, I started my career going door to door in business parks and making, you know, 40, 50 calls a day. Sure. Yeah. And you had to do the call reports, turn them in. Oh, if we didn't turn the call reports in, we didn't get our expense reports paid. So that's right. every week we had to have those call sheets in. Yep. And also, if we, by doing it weekly, they also made sure that there wasn't too much fiction involved in them. Correct. That's right. So, yeah. So are you seeing, no, for Kite Dust, is Kite Dust primarily for inside sales or hybrid sales or any salesperson? You know, most of it's inside, even outside guys do most of the time inside. Uh, but what's sort of the ideal customer profile for the product? Yeah, it's it's really the outbound prospector. So okay. the SDR, the BDR, you know, the inside salesperson. Um, we've incorporated a lot of social into the platform as well. So if you think about it, you know, the channels you use to sell now are extremely diverse. Mm -hmm. you, know, you started with the phone or you and I did the car and, you know, walking in door to door. But now you've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, you've got LinkedIn, you've got text, you've got, you know, um, the telephone, email, all these things. And a balanced approach to prospecting um, is kind of required now. 
And we're actually starting to see, it's interesting, um, if you think about a target, like if you look at the top of the, I'm going to go f- try to prospect to Andy, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're seeing is there's two paths that you can go down. The first path, or the, well, the first thing you want to do is try to find an introduction to you, right? That's the holy grail. Um, if you're not able to find an introduction, then one path you can go down is the traditional path. So, Andy, if you're not on social, I'm not coming at you over social. I can't find you, right? Right, right. So I'm going to go down the traditional path of phone, email, things like that. However, if you are on social, I have a completely different workflow that I'm going to use to contact you based on the fact that you're on social. And so that diversion is really interesting uh, for a salesperson to quickly identify which path I need to go on and then follow that um, flow, that sales flow that you're going to do all the way through the steps till they actually raise their hand and you're starting that, the sales process with them. Right. Yep. So top of the funnel activity yep. is really what this is focused on. And so how does a company know that they need this type of tool, right? I mean, it's, it, it may seem evident somehow that everybody needs help, right? Everybody needs, can use the technology to do something better, but, but why Kite Desk as opposed to something else? I mean, how does a CEO or sales leader say, you know, we really need something because I know a lot of them default to saying, look, I've got the CRM system. This must do everything we need, right? You're paying all this money to Salesforce or whatever, but there's a hole. How do they know that hole exists? Yeah, I, they don't. I mean, for the most part, um, you know, some people do. The people that are doing the work, it's interesting. The SDRs and the BDRs and the people that are doing the outbound prospecting inherently know that there's a better way because they, they have all these struggles. Like, just think, one case point is, imagine how difficult it is for someone to find you on LinkedIn and start to sell to you. Like, how do you get you into the CRM? How do you start calling you? How do you do, I mean, think, I mean just think about how much time is spent doing manual tasks to try to, you know, find this prospect, get data on them and start to work them. So, mm-hmm. but the sales leaders don't necessarily see that because they're not doing the work. So part of what we have to do is educate them. So it, one case in point, here's an example. If you think about a lead in a CRM right now, mm-hmm. if I was looking and, and I'm, I'm a visual person, so just imagine me with my two hands up to my eyes right now, Andy. <laughs> yeah. When I look at you, all I see is you, right? When you come into my CRM, it's your name, your company name, but there could be 10 other people that are also in the CRM related to you. Now, if you're in the contact or account level or something like that, I can see everybody. But as a lead, someone that I'm going to prospect to, all I see is you. Right. Well, we know that that's not how you sell anymore. I mean, we know through the challenger sale and now the challenger customer and all the research that's done that there's typically, you know, three to five to seven people that are involved in the buying process. There's no prospecting tool out there um, or none of the CRMs were built to actually show a buying team. The concept doesn't exist. And the interrelationships between those buying teams, like who's calling Joe, who's calling Susie, what's been done with John. And so that whole idea of just the buying team is a foreign concept in the CRM. And when you start, and that's just one case, there's many, many more. Like the other case I told you about of which path you go down, the traditional path or the the social path. Mm -hmm. This whole evolution, these tools were just not built for. And so when you start explaining it to them and also realize that, a prospecting tool 
you can actually save the money on your CRM. So you don't have to have a CRM seat. So I can save that 100 to $125 per month in the CRM and just focus my SDRs and BDRs on prospecting. And then when they're done, all that data will flow into the CRM to the salesperson who's actually going to go close it. So for them, it's like, wait a minute, I can save money. It's now built for just that specific role. It does that specific thing. And it's, it's better than any other alternative they have. It makes a lot of sense. But they're not there yet because they don't, for the most part, people don't know that this type of stuff exists today. Well, so, I think, yeah, and I think it's a, a point to really make clear. So what you're saying is that you could have your business development reps or your sales development reps, whatever you call them, who are you know, making the outbound phone calls that are gathering this information, tracking the, you know, the potential prospects, social footprints, and you make, decide, making a decision about the best way to engage with them, to start that conversation. And they don't need to involve the CRM at all at that point. It's, it's actually better. So think about this. You know all those junk leads that are in the CRM that mm -hmm. have been sitting in there for 10 years? You can actually push that right into our platform and have the BDRs flush those out. It's almost like a cleansing process, right? Yeah. Let's put them all through. Let's run them through this. And whatever's good will go back into the pipeline. Whatever's not good will go into a work later queue or a dead queue. Or you can push that back into your marketing automation. So, um, you know, it's, it's easier to do visually. But there's a whole lot of things that are going on. And, the, you know, the other thing we, we hear from our clients is it's like, I've got duplicates everywhere. Well, of course, if you've got you know, your people prospecting, your people selling in the same system, you're naturally going to have overlap. And most of these systems can't differentiate between a contact and a lead. So I could be in someone's CRM literally five to 10 times and, and the entire team wouldn't know that. Right. So yeah, it, it's, um, it's really interesting. Once, once people start to understand what is possible, how their view of it changes. Yeah, well, I think it's also important, and, and one of the key messages here is for people listening that are sales leaders and you know business owners and so on, is that you know CRM is an important tool, but it's not necessarily a sales tool, right? I mean, it's a database that's important to have. You need to be able to track, you manage your pipeline through it, but in terms of a tool that helps you engage in conversation with your prospects and walk through their buyer's journey, not necessarily a sales tool in that regard. Yeah, it's actually, um, you know, I, I talk sometimes in a little extremes, but that's just my personality. I'm Irish, right? <laughs> so, um, is that I actually would argue that a CRM in certain instances is literally bad for a salesperson because think of it, it's almost like a, um, a hungry child, right? Feed me, feed me, feed me, give me information. You know, your grandparents are telling you, you need to keep that child fed. You know, that's the sales manager's job. Right. Like, oh, really? Like, when do I have time for selling? Like, we think that the, your tool, your sales tool should feed you, should be smart about who it presents to you to sell to, should give you information proactively. I mean, really, the idea of spending a bunch of time doing research, f feeding a CRM, I, you know, I think those days can be in our rear view with the access of all this information, this interconnectivity. So, yeah, we're trying to flip that switch where a salesperson literally can plug in and get, you know, just start working right out of the gate. It's right. pretty populated and they're going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Okay, well, I'm going to pose a hypothetical scenario for you before we go to a break here. Sure. And I'll get your answer after the break. And it's a question I ask every one of my guests. So, um, you're a new sales manager. You've been hired into a company whose sales have, have stagnated. 
and they need a sales turnaround. And upper management really, really have a highly developed sense of urgency that something happened quickly. So what two things would you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? So we'll get your answer after the break, give you a chance to think about it. Okay. I'm Andy Paul here with Sean Burke, CEO of Kite Desk. We'll be right back. Attention, sales leaders. Would you like to give your sales team the tools to drive more quality connects, scale their outreach, and spend more time selling? Well, you can with LiveHive. Get your ROI. Try it now at livehive.com forward slash ROI. That's livehive, L-I-V-E-H-I-V-E dot com forward slash ROI. Welcome back. My guest today, Sean Burke, CEO of Kite Desk. So before we go into further questions for you, I posed a hypothetical scenario to you about being a new sales manager into a company to do a sales turnaround. What two things would you do the first week that would have the biggest impact? Sure. So that's pretty simple for me. The first thing I would do is assess the team to see where they're at, see if they're the right makeup. You know, I'd spend, you know, if I'm looking at a full week, I'd probably spend, you know, 30 of a 40, a normal 40 hour week assessing my team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the second piece is I'd make sure that we've clearly defined who our client is. Because what I see a lot of time is waste in sales teams where they put in the effort, but they're targeting the wrong companies the wrong way with the wrong messaging. So those are the two things. And we actually just hired a new CSO. And um, when he came in, without me even talking with him about it, I asked him, hey, what's your plan? He's like, well, this first week, I'm just going to assess the sales team. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> so right. so that's, what, that's what I would do. Excellent. Good answer. I like it. Very concise. So... Back to Kite Desk, a little bit of a detour here, excuse me, is you know, you're recognized as an expert on social selling. I mean, you've featured in that. You, gosh, you did a survey, you sponsored a survey of the leading social selling influencers in the world. Um, you know, let's demystify that a little bit. And then let's talk about me in the context of the Kite Desk product, because most people think about social selling, they think about LinkedIn to find prospects, and they don't really think much beyond that. But it's, it's much more than that, right? Yeah, I actually have a lot better luck social selling on Twitter than I do LinkedIn. It, most people don't don't utilize Twitter the way that it could be used. But um, so, how do you use it for for selling? Well, the first thing I do is I educate. I mean, if you look at my post, um, I I write about twelve hundred words a week on sales topics. Uh, so my role as a CEO, um, I've always committed. Um, around 1,000 to 1,500 words per week, just feeding the market, you know, giving content to them. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what I get back is a relationship. I get people who ask me questions, who want to solve a problem, who have a problem, who see me as someone that, um, I'm, you know, I don't try to sell them. Like, I try to help them solve a problem. And invariably, because we build a relationship of trust, they always ask me, like, Tell me what Kite Desk does, and um, and I will. I mean, I'm happy to to do that. Um, and and you know, there is a lot of buzz about social selling right now. And I think the thing that gets missed in all of this is that I think people put too much weight on the term versus what it really is. It's really a channel. It's just like a telephone call, an email, a it's a distribution method. And um, 
I know there's two sides of this, and I actually watch it. I mean, if you pay attention to it, there's, there's people who think that it's a panacea. There's uh, other people who, I mean, it just, there's, there's even arguments about it. Oh, yeah, there's people who think it's uh, Satan's invention, if you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, I can, like, I don't cold call. I'll just be honest. I don't, I mean, there's not very many CEOs who pick up the phone and call people cold. Um, uh, there probably are a few. Um, I will do some email, but I really like to start a relationship with somebody on social um, be, because it's a little bit more trusting. And like on Twitter, um, it, you can get into a relationship faster. Like you don't have to send an email or ask them to invite. You can just follow someone and really learn a ton about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our research, it was actually funny. Um, there was a lot of controversy in our research because we were the first company, I believe, um, along with Jim Keenan. We, we wrote it with, uh, and I think Jim's been on your podcast, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So we worked with Jim. Jim did the first study with Barb Giamanco mm-hmm. on the uses of social media and selling. And the interesting thing in our report that got all the buzz was that Twitter outranked LinkedIn in terms of usage from salespeople. Now, most people got up in arms and says, no way I use LinkedIn a lot, but that wasn't the question. If you think about the question, it's usage. So I tweet probably 10, 15 times a day, whereas I'm on LinkedIn, my activity level is a lot lower. So I think a lot of people didn't real make that connection, but, but the, the people that are using social to sell are much more active on Twitter than they are on LinkedIn in a public way. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to send you know, 10 LinkedIn updates. I mean, anybody who's on your feed is going to be annoyed. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to not like Sean anymore. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, everyone's just saying now that it's just a part of selling and it really is. I mean, once you determine if someone is a traditional route, um, or so, you know, their social route, you're going to just need to follow that path and meet them where, where they, where they want to be met. Yeah. And I I agree with you hundred percent. I think, Social selling is just selling, right? And as you said, it's just another avenue, another channel to use to be able to engage with somebody and uh, for the first time. And it seems like, yeah, we've sort of gone overboard to some degrees in terms of trying to make it sound so specialized when it really needs to be a part of what every sales rep does. Yeah, I mean, as long as your clients are on social, like there's some, there's some industries that I'm sure their clients are not on social. And so, you know... It doesn't make sense to spend a ton of time there. But for the, like, we sell in the technology companies. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's where they hang out. <laughs> try, get, try getting them off social, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like selling to the DOD or something like that, you know, government department sure. where there's, I'm sure, actively discouraged from yeah. tweeting about their business on, uh, on Twitter. Sure. Um, so when somebody's looking at investing in a platform like Cutdesk, is then how do they determine the ROI on that investment? So, you know, for, I think because that's about people that are listening to the show or as a business owners, people, decision makers that will, will have that decision at some point in time. You know, once they've determined there's a need and they've evaluated the alternatives how do, and they've implemented it, I mean, how do they decide or determine really what the ROI is on that investment? You, you know, we don't feel like that's their job. It's our job. So we've just released in part of our product a, a new area called Insights where we show them. Like we, I mean, if you think about it, why should I have to figure that out? Um, it's our job at Kite Desk to show your ROI. So we've built out 
a dashboard. I mean, it's not super sophisticated, and it's it's not something you would find in a CRM. That was kind of one of our goals. Is mm-hmm. like you could find mm-hmm. a dashboard in a CRM, you don't need it again in Kite Desk. Um, but it shows you how we're impacting your business um, from you know how many calls you made, um, how many new um, new opportunities were created, how much pipeline was created, and things like that. So a manager can see all of the the work that's been done in the platform, and then we break it out as here's how much pipeline you've created across the board, and here's how much pipeline you've created with KiteDesk. So we put it the numbers right in front of their face, and we use our customer success team to set up goals with them to say, okay, look, we added $100,000 this quarter. What's our goal for next quarter? Because that's our mission. If you look at our website, our mission is to take data and use it to drive results in our company. So when we make product development decisions, we focus on the results. What can we show them without them having to ask that just makes it just, you know, we got it. We don't even have to think about the results. Every single day we can get information presented to us on the results that KiteDesk delivers. So That's a refreshing approach. Transparency. Yeah, it's one of our core values too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's very unusual these days, especially in product side, is, is to have that. Well, good. So I have some rapid-fire questions for you now. It's the last segment of the show. I always ask my guests some uh, rapid-fire questions. You, get sort of, you can give me a one-word answer if you want, or you can elaborate. just depends on what moves you, and, and we'll go for it. Ready? Okay. So, first one. What's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? My mind. Name one tool... Now, this may be the wrong question to ask you, but name one tool you use for your own sales management that you can't live without. For me, personally? Yes, you personally. So, yeah, I, I won't say the obvious. Uh, <laughs> That's why I paused. Uh, yeah, I'd say Twitter. Okay. Who's your sales role model? Uh, wow. My sales role model. It'd have to be my mom. Very good. What's the one book every salesperson should read? I'll tell you the one that comes first to mind, but it's not about sales. That's um, fine. But That's... if you're smart, you'll see it is. There's a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Mm-hmm. That right. talks, okay, I think that's a great book because it, it teaches you how to put yourself in a situation where the competition becomes irrelevant. And if you're a salesperson, that's where you want to be. So that's the one that comes top to mind for me. Okay, Blue Ocean Strategy. It's a good book. I've read it. Okay. Fit your favorite music to listen to to psych yourself up for an important sales call. Uh, I listen to them every day now. They're a, a small band, I think, out of San Francisco called the Orwells. So they're like 19 years old. So The Orwells. Okay. That's a new one for me. I'm going to put that on my list there. Yeah, they're not super popular. <laughs> well, hey, I always like to discover new acts. So what's the first sales activity you do every day? Unfortunately, it's answer emails. Yeah, people always sort of qualify that with unfortunately because I know there's lots of people say, oh, don't start your day with email. They but, do. That's why I said it that way. Well, yeah. I know, but from my point of view is if you're getting an email, cause, I mean, not all of them obviously, but in there is going to be something from a customer that wants something yeah. from you. That should be first priority. Uh, last question for you. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? Um, I call it ABL, always be learning. Uh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I'm on a mission. Yeah, I, I want salespeople to start investing in their own education because, you know, sales is a craft. Just I uh, was talking to somebody earlier today. It's, 
people have to think about it like an apprenticeship, right? I, and, it's, and it's lifelong learning that's going to help you perfect your craft. And so salespeople, you have to read books, listen to podcasts, read blogs. This is such a wonderful age we live in where all this information is so easily accessible. Take advantage of it. You know, stop watching one hour of TV a week even. Just a week. You know, one episode of Dancing with the Stars or something. Don't watch that one week. And read part of a book. I'll you, I could not agree with you more. In fact, I ask four questions in every sales interview. The first question is, what's the last piece of content? What's the last book that you read on sales? And if someone says, I haven't read anything in a while, I, I, I mean, I'm giving, I, I guess I'm giving away my recruiting <laughs> here, but like, <laughs> I'll immediately dismiss them. And it's funny. I will fill every gap in my day with sales knowledge. Like I, I drive my daughter to school every day and she now knows the power statement by Mike Weinberg. <laughs> she's, she's like, I got my sales story together. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if you truly look at it as an apprenticeship, you're, you're, the goal is never perfection. The goal is the path of perfection. And I see so few people that are committed to that. But when you do find that one gem who does it, it's, it's unbelievably rewarding. Um, and I, I love the fact that you, you believe that same way, because if you're going to be in something and do it, then commit, just give it all you got. Yeah. And that may mean, I don't I hate to say this to salespeople, but this may mean you spend your own money to do it. Right. I mean, people rely on their employers to be the source of training and education. And you know, those days are gone. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it just don't exist, so you have to take care of that yourself. All right, so I'm off my soapbox. Uh, it's my show. I can be on a soapbox, but I mean, it's, it's uh, as you hit a sore point with me, I'm very passionate about this. So I want to thank you, Sean, for being on the show today. My guest has been Sean Burke, CEO of Kite Desk. Sean, how can people learn more about you? Yeah, so uh, obviously our website, kitedesk.com. I can be found at Sean Burke H on Twitter. Unfortunately, I wasn't early enough to get Sean Burke. And then on LinkedIn, Sean H. Burke, you can find me there. If you connect with me, if you have any questions on sales or prospect or anything like that, um, I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Great. Well, again, thanks for joining me today. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate the pace of your business. Subscribing to this podcast on iTunes is certainly an excellent way to do that. Make sure you don't miss any of our episodes or any of our conversations with top sales experts like our guest today, Sean Burke, who share their experience and wisdom about how to accelerate the growth of your business. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my Zero Time Selling Interactive Training System is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? 
send a text to 96000. That's a 9 and a 6 followed by three zeros. Now enter the single word message TRUST and hit send and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my Zero Time Selling Interactive Training. I look forward to seeing you there. Hey sales strategists, at Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales, we're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.